Welcome to the West Side Audio Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. And if you're looking for more ways to connect with West Side Assembly of God, feel free to check us out at www.westsideag.org. You'll find all the information about our service times, upcoming events, and opportunities for you to plug in and get connected with West Side Assembly of God. Additionally, you'll find a complete online archive of all of the previous and current messages absolutely free of charge. We hope you are encouraged by this week's message, and thanks again for downloading the West Side Audio Message Podcast. They had heard Peter was in Lydda. Lydda was 10 miles away. And because they had a need in Joppa, they sent a couple of uh, people over to fetch Peter and bring him back. And we probably have some questions about that. If we think about it long enough, I certainly have questions about it. And my question, first of all, would be why did they need Peter? Couldn't they have prayed the prayer of faith? Didn't they serve the same God Peter served? Isn't it all the work of God? And he can work through anyone. And we have to concede, yeah, those, that's probably the case uh, to some degree. They're valid questions. But then you begin to, to sort this out and, and you understand that the disciples that were in Joppa, how fully developed were they? How spiritually mature were they? Maybe they just weren't at the point of having the faith to be able to do that. Yes, God can work through anybody. God can work through you. We, have, we make no limits, no reservations about that. But for some reason, these disciples did not feel like they were adequate to do this or they had tried and failed. So they went and got Peter. Now, here's the second point. It's a reality. Some people are truly gifted in some certain areas. Remember, there's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Paul urges us to eagerly desire what he calls the greater gifts. If you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, then I have to wonder, are you fond of, of any one of those particular gifts? Are you intrigued by any of the gifts of the Spirit? Uh, and which ones would you deem the greater gift? And if you were given that gift, would you be a faithful steward operating in that gift? We've got the, uh, what we call the, 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 the power gifts. Let me see if I can remember this. We've got the uh, working of miracles, the uh, uh, gifts of healing and uh, the gift of faith. And then we've got the uh, mind gifts, which is the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom and the discerning of spirits. And then we've got the vocal gifts, which is the tongues and the uh, interpretation and the prophecy. And so you've got nine gifts. So which one of those appeals to you? Which one of those would you like to operate in? It appears as though from Scripture that those are available to us. Today, now I don't know that I really want to embarrass anybody here, but I'm asking uh, the question without asking you to lift your hand. Uh, how many of you have a gift of the Holy Spirit? And of course, in the theology of the Assemblies of God, we believe, we teach that the tongues is kind of an introductory gateway to the uh, nine gifts of the Spirit, that 
if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, that the evidence is going to be that you speak in tongues. And then there's some discussion also among our theologians about whether that gift of that, that gift, the ability to speak in tongues, that manifestation of the Holy Spirit at the time you get uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, is that the same as the gift of tongues that's over there? The debate goes on. I'm not here to try and resolve that for you. I'm just saying there's, there's tongues. And so if I say how many of you have a gift of the Holy Spirit, there might be many of you here today. I hope there would be. This is a Pentecostal church. We do believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I hope there would be many of you here to say, yes, I speak in tongues. But then I would ask how many of you operate in any other gift of the Holy Spirit? And I would say if I, if I urged you on to respond and raise your hand, we would probably be shocked to find out very few say I have any other gift. So all you've got is what? A gift of speaking in tongues? And is that something you would consider a greater gift? How useful is that? It's, it's useful in having a prayer language. It's useful being able to communicate with God and pray in ways that you and your own human mind don't know how to pray. But what about the other gifts? What about the other gifts that minister to other people? How, how many of you would like the word of knowledge? That you know things that information has not been solidly brought to you, but somebody stand there telling you a lie, and all of a sudden you got the word of knowledge, and you say, I'm going to straighten that lie out for you right now. God just told me. How many of you would love to be able to do that? <laughs> I mean, these are not toys we're supposed to be playing with. But I'm intrigued by the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and what they biblically are able to do. The word of wisdom. If there's anything we need, we need, we need, we need wisdom. A word of wisdom. We need that. Gifts of healing. Uh, I think that would be a wonderful thing to have. And some people have gifts of healing in, in such a, a, a way that they are more effective in praying for people who need a healing than maybe the average Christian would be. They have been gifted in that area. So, in calling in the experts, they go over to Peter. He exhibited the ability due to his fine training from his mentor, Jesus, and the empowerment from, uh, that, you know, Jesus breathed on him, receive you the Holy Spirit, and commissioned them to go and to do these things. And he was a direct student, a direct protege of the master, and he could do this. So if they had nobody in Joppa that could come to the rescue of poor Tabitha Dorcas, then they go and get Peter, and he comes in. I don't object to you seeking out somebody who seems to be more successful in the gifts of healing. But I will tell you this, that many of who we in modern day times called healing evangelists, I, I, I'm not impressed by there's too much manipulation that goes on in a lot of that that I'm just not happy with. There's a lot of, uh, uh, oh, oh, don't get me started. Oh, you already did. There's, there, there's a lot of trying to make things look like miracles happened when they really didn't. And I don't appreciate that. God doesn't need that kind of bad advertisement. God can and does genuinely heal people, but I don't like the manipulation that goes on with a lot of these people. So that's the reason I'm not real fond of running, uh, running around to somebody who claims themselves to be a healing evangelist. I, uh, they're, they're quick to take the credit if you get healed, but they're quick to give you the blame if you didn't. That annoys me. Peter came in, and he was good at 
praying for people and seeing them healed. So they called in the experts. We, and I use the word experts very loosely, and you pardon me if that sounds a little bit offensive. That's not what I'm really trying to do. But calling the one who is gifted, calling the one uh, who has uh, success in that area. Uh, and sometimes that success has to do with just your personal experiences. You got healed, and you know that you know that you know what God can do. You have no doubts about it. Healing is not a theory to you. Healing is a solid fact. You know God healed you. Therefore, when you pray, you have the faith to know, God, I know you can do this. Look what you did for me. And oftentimes that plays into the success of healing that goes on when we pray. And then there's other people that you might not be well suited for the gift of healing because you are so full of doubt and fear and you doubt and fear everything. And that probably would not be a good suit for you to be praying a prayer of faith and constantly in a state of doubt. Point number two. From these two stories, these two miraculous healings, I see very definitely that all the glory and honor always must belong to God. Peter didn't steal the glory. He made it abundantly clear he was operating in behalf of Jesus and Jesus was the healer. Peter said, Jesus Christ heals you. Modern-day ministers seem to enjoy the fame that goes along with the occurrence of miraculous healings. In total contrast to those modern-day ministers who try to capitalize on that for their own fame, their own glory. Peter did not, after having been endued with this power, to heal the sick, heal the paralytic, raise the dead. He did not, as a result of that, start his own ministry. Name it after himself. He did not create his own following. He did not turn ministry in and into an opportunity to get a mailing list. Send your money. Simon Peter Ministries. There is something very admirable and revealing about Peter being used in such a way that he says, Jesus heals you. He kept it in perspective. It was not about him. So since these people would not automatically know who to give the credit to, Peter is sure to let them know the credit doesn't go to me. Now, in the second story, Peter does something else. He sends everybody out of the room because he's not going to put on a sideshow here. He's not going to draw attention to himself. What's going to happen in that room is none of their business. He sends them out, then he gets down on his knees. And the very fact that he drops down on his knees symbolizes one very important thing is, God, I need you. I cannot do this. This is not my work. I need you. He invokes the power and the presence of God. So we're glad that Peter points to God. And it didn't become uh, uh, 
a glory monger. He gave all the glory to God. Number three, these miracles put the focus on God. Not only does all the glory and honor belong to God, but it puts the focus on many turned to God, the scripture says, and believed in God. Miracles have two main purposes. That is to solve a problem that can't be solved by natural means. And number two, to draw people to God and give him the glory. That's the two purposes that they should always serve. And it's unfortunate how popular it has become today to turn signs and wonders or the appearance of signs and wonders into a sideshow. Signs and wonders were never meant to be toys we play with, a sideshow, or, and I've mentioned this before, as one West Coast pastor likes to say, they're just signs that make you wonder. The purpose of signs and wonders is not to make you wonder. It was never the intention to that be. The purpose of signs is to make you certainly know this is of God. Not to sit there and wonder, say I wonder. Now, magicians make me wonder. That's what magic does. I wonder. They make it look like they pass through solid objects. They do some incredible things. And when they do that, I sit there and I wonder. So in this modern day and age, I replay it and I slow it down. How many of you guilty trying to figure out the trick? I, I'm going to slow it down and see what he did here. And then when I find out what they did, I said, that was cheap. That was cheesy. Why didn't I see that the first time? But they, they make you wonder. But the signs and the miracles from God ultimately are supposed to draw us to God. Magnify. I... I I don't sit there and say, I wonder how God did that. I'm not worried about that. I know he can. I know he does. I'm not trying to analyze it. I'm not trying to show, slow it down to see the sleight of hand. I'm not trying to figure God out. I'm, signs just don't make me wonder. Signs make me love God and admire him and glorify him all the more than before. Anybody here ever had a miraculous healing? May I see your hand? Did you get happy? <laughs> Did it draw your attention to God? And I've had, I, I cannot say that I personally have had ever an instantaneous miraculous healing from God. But I've seen others who claimed that they did, and I believed it. And I've seen times when God has performed breakthrough miracles uh, in my presence uh, when Ann and I were pastoring in down in Alabama and we had a, a little baby had to be had to be Derek Aaron was not a little baby when we moved there right we're, we're on the same page today glory to God And he was so horribly sick. We were praying every night of the week over in the little church. Our parsonage was on the same piece of property as the church. 
And we were praying because it was just what we were doing as a church, praying every night of the week, and this went on for months. Might have been a year-long every night prayer meeting. We might have taken Saturday off, Monday through Friday, and maybe not Saturday, and then, or maybe we prayed Saturday and took Sunday night off. That's, I think that's what we did. Intense prayer meeting. And our little boy was just like a limp dish rag. So sick. So unresponsive. And Ann said, you go pray first. And then when you come home, you can watch the baby and I'll go pray. And so we did that. And I went over and prayed. And prayed about a lot of things. Certainly prayed for our little baby boy. I came home. And I, I took that little child, just like I said, just hot, limp as a dish rag, just barely responsive, and just laid him on my chest. I sat in the rocker and prayed. And Ann's over at the church praying. He'd been like this for two or three days. Before she came home, he had popped out of it. And the fever had broke. He was responsive, and he was interacting, and it's probably the most sudden turnaround I've ever seen personally in my life of a condition where God broke it. He broke it right there, and that little child recovered. He leads your music worship today. Point number four, ministry is for all believers. You might be guilty of thinking that ministry is limited, such as ministry equals being a pastor. Ministry equals being a missionary, going to a foreign field. And this story, if it tells us anything, tells us ministry is far more than that. You have the opportunity to be a minister. You should be ministering. I don't expect you to get up behind this pulpit and deliver a sermon. There is a gifting for that. What I do expect you to do is minister in the capacity in which God has enabled you. And he has enabled every one of you to minister in some fashion. So if I'm going to say something today that I hope sticks with you, and that is I want you to daily view yourself as a minister. Take it seriously. And find out how God can work through you to minister to others. You get up tomorrow and say, I recognize myself as a minister for God, a minister in the kingdom. God, lead me today and show me how and what to do. And watch God begin to work through your life. It can transform your life to have that kind of a mentality. So I'm going to ask for commitments today. I'm going to watch, see who doesn't lift their hands. How many of you are willing to be ministers for God and consider yourself, I am a minister for God every day that I live. Thank you for cooperating. 
ministry is fundamentally operating in our gifts. So we, through God's love and in his behalf, can meet the needs of others. Let's look at Romans 12. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we Though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts. You don't have the same gift I have, and I don't have the same gift you have. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. How many of you, I'm going to ask you to vote again because it keeps you from going to sleep. How many of you are a member of the body of Christ? Let me see your hands. See? Every one of you, every part of your body does something. Every part. It has a purpose. It has a gift, so to speak. Now, you've all admitted I'm a part of the body of Christ. What is your function in the body of Christ? You're all gifted to do something. And if you're not doing your part, the body is not operating like it's supposed to. And you're not supposed to say, oh, my gift is not important. Therefore, it doesn't matter if I don't work or not. If any little part of your body does not work tomorrow, it's going to impede what you would normally do. I don't care if it's your little finger that doesn't bend. If it's not operating like it's supposed to, your body is not operating uh, to its full capacity. It's important. You are a member of the body of Christ. You are gifted to do something, and you need to be doing that every day, doing it faithfully. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. And if it's serving, serve. Just do it. If it's teaching, teach. If it's to encourage, did you, did you realize the Bible says you, your gift might just be being an encourager because you have that empathy for people you have the ability to see others that need to be lifted up you can you can seek it out in a room and you go over and you can see somebody and you can you can just you can just lift them up you can encourage that's such a small gift it's a part of the gift of the body that if the encouragers are not encouraging then people who are doing other things are going to get real discouraged You see how important it is for everybody to be doing what they are called to do? If you're an encourager, get with it. And if you think you're an encourager, let me know. I want your phone number. I want to go to the expert. I want to go to somebody that knows how to encourage me when I need it. I'm wearing Ann out. I like this one. If it's giving, give. That's your gift. Give. Generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. All of these giftings from Romans, and we're not just talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are the vocal gifts, the mind gifts, the power gifts. We're talking other giftings in the body that make you effective in the body and help the body to operate like the body is supposed to operate. So Dorcas is this inspiring example. So you thought I forgot where I was, didn't you? 
How do you end up over in Romans? It's all gonna tie together. Dorcas is a perfect example. This, this precious lady has died and the community is sorely missing her and Peter shows up and the widows are gathered around and what, they, what do they have? They have her handiwork. Look at these robes. Look at this clothing. Look at her handiwork. Look at the craftsmanship. And then somebody standing there, I can, I can imagine, I don't think I'm too far off on this. Somebody standing there said, look what she made me. And others brought, well, look what she made for me. This is the most beautiful clothing. She had a gift of blessing people. She used her talents, and she had a gift of, of, of giving. And, and there's another other ways you could, you could define what Dorcas, uh, Dorcas's giftings were. But they had the evidence, and what we have here is somebody had died that left a big hole in the lives and the hearts of people in that community. And they were there saying, we're going to miss her because of what she was doing. We don't know anybody like this. Now, you want... You want to be missed when you die. Just go ahead and write it down. I want to be missed. And the only way you're going to be missed if you are doing something that is impacting people. That when you're gone, we're going to gather together and we're going to tell all kinds of tales about how much we enjoyed having you here and how sad we are that you're no longer with us because who's going to do this? You're gifted. But are you using those gifts? And are you going to be sorely missed? And are you impacting people with your gifting? I can't answer that for all of you. But Dorcas sure did. They loved her for what she did for those who were in need. It doesn't matter if you don't impact thousands. You have people in your circle of acquaintance that you can impact. You have neighbors. Have you impacted them yet? You have co-workers. Have you reached out to them? Do they care that you're there every day? Does it matter to them? If you don't show up anymore because you're dead and gone, are your co-workers going to say, who was that? I don't know who you're talking about. Are they going to say, I'm glad they're gone? How are you impacting those who are around you? Are you going to have people say, we're sure going to miss them. They were such a blessing. I love the challenge of having an impact on my neighborhood. I really do. My wife and I both, this is something that really we enjoy doing. We have formed relationships with people that live on our street. Bonnie, our next door neighbor, she's in her 80s, mid 80s. Huh? 90! Now, there's an opportunity. 90 year old widow, you think they don't need help from once in a while? We go over and check on Bonnie. Another door down, Lois. And her husband, Carol, they were getting feeble. They were needing help. We're checking in on Lois and Carol. Carol's now in extended care. Lois is there by herself. Lois needs help. We check in on Lois from time to time. The man across the street, he loves to do projects from time to time. And he said, uh, we went on vacation. He said, do you mind if I come over and, and use your 
your saw in your he said I've got some things I need to do I said I'm going to be on vacation I'm going to be I'm not going to be home here is the clicker to my garage door you go in use whatever you want I just love being able to have an impact on people Dick lives across the street from us he's, he's getting elderly he's, he's not as mobile and physical as he n needs to be he get along, gets along pretty good but Ann fixes up a super uh, uh, batch of, of, of soup or, or something and we're taking a pot over to Dick because he's living by himself and he can't he can't hardly cook anything that uh, can't be like a, a TV dinner or heated in a microwave he doesn't know his way around so we're taking food over him all the time we just love having an impact because when we leave I, want, I don't want the neighbors out there cheering us for going away I want to hear that we appreciated having you as a neighbor as caring people looking for opportunities to do where there are opportunities to do. My final point, and I, I, I love that subject matter. I feel like I could spend more time on it, but I think I've made the point. So I'm, I just want the Holy Spirit to really impress that on your spirit today. Use your giftings. Impact those around you like Dorcas did. My final point, take me just, just a very short minute to to finish this up that is God has no celebrities what are my most prized possessions given to me many years ago by a lady in California one of the when we first went to that church one of the first gifts I received at that church I don't even think it was a special occasion it may have been a Christmas but I think it was just a gift a little plaque with I think they call it needlepoint where you use the sewing to create letters. Is, is that neat point? Good. I've got people affirming I'm on the right track here. I mean, I called it, could have called it macrame because I don't know what that is either. But it, sometimes it get away with the wrong word because you don't know either. But <laughs> needlepoint. And so they had made this, framed it. God has no celebrities. He only has servants. The quote comes from one of the most well-known missionaries we've ever had in the Assemblies of God, Mark Buntain. Don't know if that rings a bell with you or not. And I keep that on my wall. I pass by it quite often. God doesn't have any celebrities. And I think it's a crying shame that in this day and age that you can even think in terms of some pastor being a celebrity or some pastor being a rock star and I see that dynamic happening in the church today I see these young pastors these young millennials that, that something something just is is falling into place and they're starting these churches and they're going from 20 people to 3,000 and suddenly they are rock stars and they anything they write becomes a bestseller and most of it's not really worth reading I'm sorry I, I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not jealous it's okay I'm glad they've got a good work but the rock star status just just makes everything that anybody says or anybody does just the greatest thing that ever happened and I don't like rock stars and celebrities in the kingdom of God I don't like that it's a priceless reminder 
how important it is to remain humble in the kingdom work. The apostles are recognized as having this special status in the formulation of the early church. They are foundational stones. They are skilled. They are trained. They are empowered. They have influence. They have authority. And among those, Peter stands out among the, the, the empowered apostles. He stands out as the apostle of apostles. I mean, he's kind of the leader. He's kind of the spokesman. He's, we don't see a lot in the Bible about the rest of the apostles, but we follow the life of Peter, one of those prominent of the elite group. And by today's standards, Peter would be a rock star. But notice this about Peter. Verse 32, I go back. As Peter traveled about the country... He went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. <laughs> you know what I love about that? Peter did not take his position as being an, a self-important rock star. He was of the elite group of the apostles, and he was almost a leader of the elite group. And what do we see him doing here? He's out there beating the bushes. He is going and doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. He's not in an office somewhere, secluded and sending people out and organizing. He's doing. And he decides, I'm just going to go out. I'm going to walk. I'm going to go drop in on this town. I know I've got some disciples there. I'm going to drop in and see how God's people are doing. Now, it's very obvious. doesn't take a genius to know Peter couldn't see everybody. But he didn't stop him from doing what little he could do and being a part of it. He was out doing the work. He was not management. He was labor. He was not calling the shots from headquarters. He was in the trenches. He found an opportunity to minister. He was not primarily on an, a mission as an evangelist. He was on a follow-up visit to the saints. The big kahuna was out making the rounds. And he wasn't too good for it. Never allowed himself to take the celebrity status. And there was good opportunity for him to do that. Because do you, do you remember we already went over that passage earlier in Acts. Where Peter was walking along and the people saw him coming. And they were so much in awe. What did they do? They ran and got sick people and laid them on the ground. So his shadow would fall on them. They, really, they were really, really exalting Peter. He didn't let that go to his head. It wasn't about him. But it could have easily gone to somebody's head. There was a strong potential there for people to idolize Peter. Peter wouldn't let it happen. No celebrities. Just servants. I might have a different function in this church. But I'm no celebrity. I'm no rock star. I'm just one of you. Let's all pray we can be ministers in the gift God has given us so the body can function. Worship team, come.